The NFL Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $100 at WinBet and get a $100 free bet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. I'm just about that action, boss. to the NFL Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Friday morning, currently 11.02 on the East Coast, here to break down the afternoon games in NFL Week 4. And joining me to help me break it down, as he usually does, a man that does it both on and off the court for SGPN, it's Scott Studio Reichel. Scott, how you feeling today, buddy? Yeah, doing pretty well. I ended up sweeping the afternoon games or the late games from last week, which was nice for the lock and dog. Had the Rams minus three and a half was for some reason more difficult than it probably needed to be because they were dominating in the first about 15 minutes and then basically nobody scored the rest of the game. I'm not sure what happened there, but either way, they got home. And then I also had the Jaguars money line. Not going to lie, Rod and I thought Herbert was not going to play, but I guess the counterpoint is maybe Herbert shouldn't have played because he didn't look ready to play in the first place. But the Jaguars dominated, so swept the board there, which was nice. Hopefully we keep it rolling, but nice to see you. How have you been? Uh, Pretty good. You know, yesterday got off to a good start for me for NFL Week 4. I I took the Bengals on the spread. I got that at minus 3.5, and and I had some Jamar Chase props. Uh, and then I took the first half over as well. That one was a little lucky, I'll say that for sure. But um, unfortunately, you know, with with the Tua injury and things like that, you know, I think that's a different conversation. But um, you know, it was a tricky spot, I think, last night for Miami. But uh, it's been a pretty good start to NFL Week Four, at least. Did you have any action last night? Uh yeah. Uh, for the overall Thursday uh, show that Terrell and I do with the DFS lineup and with yeah. the player props and stuff like that, ended up having a decent amount of stuff on T Higgins that worked out pretty well had him over in receiving yards had him to score any time I had Joe Mixon under 64 and a half he got there by like three yards but he got it done Burrow I basically split with I ended up Mm -hmm. having Burrow over in yards and I believe he barely got over in the end because he went nuts in the fourth quarter and ended up with like 287 and I had Burrow longest completion over which got there on the Higgins pass I didn't sweep, though. I liked the over on Burrow overall pass attempts. Cincinnati ran the ball more than I thought they would, but yeah. either way, can't complain. It was a pretty good card or a pretty good day overall. I know that I liked the Bengals. I thought the line was a little bit peculiar, mm-hmm. and when it's usually peculiar in the NFL, you tend to back the side that looks a little bit weird and it usually works out. Yeah. That was the case yesterday. The game itself wasn't great. It was a primetime game. What else is new? So you weren't exactly expecting a high-scoring game, but yeah. can't complain. You know, I thought it was a pretty good game of football. I liked the jerseys. I thought the jersey contrast was nice, but everything got overshadowed with the two injury. Yeah, it really did. Um, yeah, I mean, I got uh, – I guess we could say fortunate, like you mentioned, that fourth quarter Joe Burrow had the pass that he had in Jamar Chase is what really made it uh, going from a um, night – 
of being in the red to being a knight in the black. So uh, thankfully that came through. Sometimes the ball bounces your way or the the pass bounces your way. And I think uh, I was fortunate without the Jamar Chase prop uh, last night. But yeah, Tua, thankfully uh, it's we got good news as the night kind of progressed last night that, you know, he was released from the hospital, things like that. I was able to travel back with the team. Uh, and uh, as of this morning, you know, he, they said that he's back in his home in South Florida and he's going to go through more testing and things like that. So, um, you know, at, at least on, on that front for Miami Dolphins and for Tua's health, it, it's good news so far. Uh, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. Scott, we got a little uh, – we, we're a little gypped this uh, NFL week four. We only have four games to talk about. I know usually we already get about five to six at least, but uh, this week we have three p.m. games uh, that start at around 4 o'clock Eastern and obviously the Sunday night game as well. But uh, before we get into the uh, afternoon games here, given uh, the betting preview and the handicap, let me tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, Win. Thinking of joining WinBet, now is the perfect time. New customers who bet $100 get a $100 free bet. Plus, the WinBet Casino is always open 24 hours a day where you can get a 100% deposit bonus of up to $1,000. WinBet is live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. Plus, WinBet has their own same-game parlay feature. Just click on the game you like, select Build Your Own Bet, and start building a monster parlay. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know that we sent you that sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offers up to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. We're also brought to you by promoguide.us. Promoguide.us is the best place to go if you're interested in plus EV betting strategies. They've got daily updates on odds boosts and huge cash bonuses from all major sports books. And they've got a VIP Discord group that puts even deeper plus EV analytics right at your fingertips. I got to say, we've been looking at their daily promo updates, and they are some of the most informative in the game. They don't simply tell you what is what team is probable to win, but where you'll get the best odds and how to track down and cash in big on constantly changing promotions. If you're not already using mathematical models to help you with your picks, you are missing out on an insanely valuable tool. And the best part of it all is that Promo Guy is run by a small team of passionate sports fans dedicated to building a well-informed, better betting community. Go to promoguy.us and check out their 100% track, transparent, and proven method for betting smarter. So make sure you check out promoguy.us. All right, Scott, let's get into the schedule for uh, NFL Week 4, starting with the first game that's going to be going off in the afternoon. It's going to be a NFC clash. We have the Arizona Cardinals headed to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers. It's going to be a 4 or 5 Eastern start. Currently over on win bet here, I'm seeing lines of the Panthers are a one-point home favorite. Money line is a minus 118 for the Panthers, minus 102 for the Arizona Cardinals, and the total is currently set at 43.5. Uh, let's kind of go through the injury report here for both of these teams. Let's start with the visiting team, the Arizona Cardinals. Um Currently, as of Thursday, J.J. Watt was a non-participant uh, on Thursday with a calf injury. Greg Dortch, uh, their wide receiver, was also limited on Thursday. Rondell Moore, hamstring, also practice or sorry, he did practice in limited fashion on Thursday. Running back, James Conner, 
practice in a limited capacity. He has a knee injury. And A.J. Green, wide receiver, is doubtful for NFL Week 4 with a knee injury. Uh, But other than that, uh, (laughs) it looks like everybody's good to go. Very, very thin, at least at the uh, wide uh, wide receiving group here, Scott. But Carolina laying one point against the Arizona Cardinals. What do you think about this game? For me... I feel like that, well, we're really starting off with, you know, a phenomenal matchup, right? Between the game Cardinals of the week. and the Panthers. Yeah, game of the week, easy. Um, I'm going to link to the under uh, based on the total. Uh, the fact that Arizona defensively actually did something against the Rams for about the last three quarters, I think is a bit optimistic, or at least I'm a little bit, let's just say, potentially intrigued by the fact that Arizona's defense maybe either turned a corner or maybe is just not totally terrible anymore. So we'll see what happens, but... Mm-hmm. Carolina's defense was really good last week, and I'm not sure how much of it has to do with the fact that Winston's still playing with a bunch of fractures. I know Winston has officially been, I don't know if you want to say benched or potentially downsized or whatever you want to call it for the actual London game because Andy Dalton's now going to be the quarterback, so it tells you how injured Winston actually is. But Carolina's defense looked good, and I do think they can generate a nice pass rush that's been an issue or an underrated issue for Arizona this season is protecting Kyler Murray on a regular basis. I still don't like the weapons. I think that even though Carolina with Matt Rule, I don't think Rule's a good coach. Let's get that out of the way. But they did end up winning last week against the division rival. And even though McCaffrey never practices anymore, he hasn't missed the game. I'm assuming McCaffrey's going to play. I just think that they're trying to ease his workload during the week because of how frail he could be. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with Carolina in this one. I feel like some, I don't really want to call it a trend, but something I always look for. I try to fade dome teams in their first actual non-dome game of the season. And the Cardinals played the Chiefs in week one at home, dome. Played the Raiders in week two on the road, dome. And then Mm -hmm. played the Rams week three in a dome at home. And now they're playing on the road in Carolina. Now the weather is not supposed to be bad. But still, when you have teams that have to travel and suddenly worry about the elements, I think they usually come out a bit sluggish, especially early on. I'm going to pick Carolina, and if I'm picking Carolina, then I have to take an under because I don't like this offense at all. But give me the Panthers. I'm hoping some of the actual momentum that they ended up building in last week's division win kind of carries over. Arizona, I guess you can say the defense looked better, but then the offense didn't. So I don't really think Arizona's good. We've talked about this. I don't think Arizona was a good team when the season started, and they haven't mm-hmm. looked good since. And Kingsbury's still not a very good coach. So you can argue that's basically a wash between him and Rule. Kingsbury's probably a little bit better, but you get the point. Yeah. I'm going Carolina at home in the under. Yeah, I, I, and I, I completely forgot to mention the Carolina Panthers injury report. So as of this morning on Friday, uh, Christian McCaffrey did participate in uh, practice uh, for the Carolina Panthers. He's officially said that's questionable, but like you mentioned, I think he should be able to go. Uh, you, the get, other in- get, you get used to it. He's he's not going to practice basically yeah. the entire year from like Monday to Thursday. Just yeah. get used to it. Yeah. And then uh, tight end Ian Thomas was limited on, in practice on uh, Thursday, and LaVisca Chenault was also a non-participant on Thursday with a hamstring issue. I think the one thing that does make me nervous, and I agree with you, Scott, about both of those plays, is number one, that – we talked about the injury report for the Arizona Cardinals. Like who is he supposed to throw the ball to uh, is Kyler Murray, right? It's only Hollywood Brown pretty much for this team. 
you have Zach Ertz as well. Okay. But, and again, James Conner is also dealing with an injury as well, which kind of leads to, you know, what you mentioned about the under in this game, which is currently sitting at 43 and a half um, for the Panthers. I, McCaffrey, like we mentioned is a go. I, I think that they'll be able to build number one, like you mentioned, build off of what the victory they had last week against the saints. They're at home, not a big travel situation for them at, at all. They didn't travel. Um, now you have Arizona, going from the West coast all the way to the East coast. Um, I know it's a later start, but you know, I think that the injuries are just going to be a huge concern for me for this Arizona Cardinals team. I think this is going to be a very, very ugly game. One question I wanted to pose to you is that are either of these coaches pretty much coaching for their job here? Uh, because I think these two coaches are favored to be the first one fired between Matt rule and uh, Cliff Kinsbury. Yeah, for me, I think it's pretty tricky to fully evaluate how hot both of their seats are right now. Rule had a win, so that's going to definitely save him about a couple extra weeks there, especially against a division opponent. And you look at the Panthers this season, are they a good team? No. Should they have potentially beaten the Browns or the Giants or both? Maybe. But they have two losses by a combined total of five points. Like they've been competitive in every game. So yeah. I don't think rules really in danger of being fired immediately, immediately, maybe at some point later on in the season. Kingsbury's interesting because the only win they had was a miracle where they came back from 20 down at half. Yeah. They also had to delay a game before the game tying two point conversion, which is a really bad coaching job there, but mm -hmm. they won that one. But you look at the other two games, they got killed by Kansas city. I guess that happens, you know, Kansas city's Kansas city and they lost to the Rams in a close game, but I do have to at least point out that with Hopkins being out, do you think Kingsbury has a built-in alibi? Because he kind of feels that way, but I'm not sure if the front office cares enough. I'm assuming missing Hopkins is enough to buy Kingsbury a couple extra weeks. I think so. Um, I mean, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best hands in the NFL. Obviously, your number one target in your wide receiving group. He's missing. He's going to miss his first six games, but... I think you're right. I think that does give him a, a little bit of a, of a pass for Cleve Kinsbury for not having your best offensive player, right? And, and now, more. and more, right? And we talked about the injury report here, and and I think that there is a built-in quote-unquote excuse for Kinsbury because they're just so thin at the at the wide receiver position. So, and they're just trying to keep their head above water. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think so. I, I think that we'll really find out about this team when their guys are number one healthy maybe my, at that point it might just be too late and then when they get deandre hopkins back i know this team has been what atrocious for 11 of the 12 quarters that they've played so far yeah uh, give or take it, it, yeah. it's been rough yeah so yeah i mean not too much more for me to add i agree about the panthers here just being at home and then the under in this game i just think it's gonna be a very very ugly game you have anything else for this game scott before we get over to the next one not really. Uh, I'm still a little bit salty last week. I ended up live betting Kyler interception at like uh, plus 290 or something. Guy attempted 58 passes and he couldn't throw an interception, which is really <laughs> frustrating. But I do think that Mayfield will get himself into trouble at some point. I'm yeah. still not sold in Arizona secondary, and I'm not exactly sure what happened in that Rams game because they randomly clamped down on cup and i know cup of the rushing touchdown mm -hmm. but still it looked like the secondary was actually decent i know it's not decent so i don't really know what happened there but i think if you want to look for any type of prop maybe you can look for either mccaffrey receptions or you can hope that it's the dj Moore wake-up game 
but do you expect Carolina's offense to really do much if McCaffrey and Dash or DJ Moore are not involved? Because I feel like that's all they got. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's pretty much your offense, right? DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey. The and- occasional 80-yard catch by Robbie Anderson, but that's basically it. Yeah, and, and I feel Lucas like they haven't. Chenault, too, had the big play last week. That's basically it. Yeah, and I just feel like they haven't been using McCaffrey as much as they should be. And maybe that's a they're trying to limit his workload. But I mean, he's your best offensive player. You should be utilizing him. Got more, I guess, more than they have been. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think this is going to be a game that's probably not going to be on a lot of people's television screens. But since we do cover every single game, uh, I think we're both going with the Panthers here as a slight, very slight home favorite and the under 43 and a half in this game as well. Uh, Let's get over to the next game here, Scott. It's going to be a AFC West matchup in Vegas. It's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Denver Broncos, a very fortunate two-in-one Broncos, I think we can say. Raiders are currently favored by minus two-and-a-half over on win bet. Total is sitting at 45-and-a-half in this game. Um, The money line is minus 145 for the Raiders and plus 120 for the Denver Broncos. Looking at the injury report for both of these squads, I'm currently seeing Melvin Gordon is dealing with a neck issue. He was a limited participant in practice on Thursday. Um, And any other significant injury, Randy Gregory, um, he is questionable. It doesn't say what's the injury for him. And then for the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, pretty clean injury report. I think the only significant one is uh, Hunter Renfro, who does remain sidelined with a concussion he is dealing with. I know he missed the last game for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, and Mac Hollins has really been that guy that has stepped up for them. Uh, two teams. I think one team we can say is very fortunate here, Scott, with the Denver Broncos being 2-1 and one with all the um, – Issues, I guess we could say they've been having offensively, especially in the red zone. Um, and right now, the Las Vegas Raiders, led by new head coach Josh McDaniels, are sitting at 0-3. So this is a huge game for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, you can pretty much fold it up if they lose this game this season. But do you warrant a team that's 0-3 to be favored by 2.5 points at on their home, fl- uh, sorry, home field, where there may not be a huge uh, home field advantage? I feel like there's more visiting teams coming into the uh, stadium there in Vegas versus the Raiders fans, but two and a half point home favorite here for the Raiders. What are you thinking? I think that even though I mentioned when we briefly, briefly discussed the Thursday night game, I said that, you know, the Bengals were questionably favored by about four, which seemed a little bit high at first glance. And usually when the NFL gives you a questionable line, if you back the side that doesn't really make much sense, or it appears that doesn't make much sense, Usually it cashes. That's kind of what I've discovered, not even just in the NFL, but also in college. The issue there, well, based on that logic, the Raiders seem like the play because they are winless. The Broncos are two and one, and that the Raiders are favored to win. The problem is I don't know how many negative points Josh McDaniels is worth because mm-hmm. the new head coach for the Raiders is, well, the guy he used to be about 10 years ago, and he got fired. It was Josh McDaniels, who's not yeah. very good. And when you don't even lose three games, you lose three close games because of self-inflicted wounds. That's bad coaching. And I got really concerned the Raiders only scored 22 
against the Titans defense that really wasn't very good for the majority of the season. And I do think that even though the Raiders have a lot of offensive weapons, and even though the Broncos are a little bit banged up and the offense isn't really good in the red zone, I still think Denver is the significantly better team. And if they can get anything going in the red zone, I think they'll win the game. But just assuming that McDaniels will even piece it together for one week against a good team after they had a closed-door meeting with the owner already and we're only in, like, week four, that's not a good sign. I'm actually going to go with the Broncos. I get that the offense isn't great. The defense, I think, is incredible. I really like that Broncos defense. But it's mostly Faye McDaniels. You know, I'm not saying Hackett's a good coach, but I do think that when you constantly make mistakes – and it just seems like the Raiders are an undisciplined kind of careless team because they turn the ball over a decent amount and they really make a lot of dumb mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to beat themselves up at some point in this game and probably lose a heartbreaker. It's going to be close. It's not going to be easy. I think it's a hell of a teaser candidate, but I'm going to yeah. go with the Broncos. I think they'll probably win the game. I really just don't think McDaniels is the guy. It almost seems like this offense is really sucked like in quick mud. If, if that makes sense, right? I mean, you have Devontae Adams. I mean, Mac Hollins has been a revelation for this team, at least over the last two weeks. Adams hasn't done anything since week one. Yeah, since week one, nothing for, for Devontae Adams. He had the 141-yard uh, receiving game yeah. in week one. But He's a touchdown weeks, machine, but he's going for like 30, 40 yards. Like, that's not yeah. good enough. And I believe last week he did record a touchdown for this yeah. uh, Raiders team. But other than that, yardage-wise, he just hasn't been there. It's really been the Mac Hollins show uh, for their va- – uh, Raiders, I'm sorry, over the last two weeks. Uh, he led the team last week with 158 receiving yards. So, number one, I think they got to find a way to get Devontae Adams involved more in the offense. I mean, there's no question about that. Like you mentioned, he had a great week one, goose eggs, uh, at least yardage-wise, in week two and three. Um, for me, I was already leaning with the Denver Broncos as well in this game. It just didn't make sense to me that the Raiders right now are a, a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And I think that – the line is probably saying to me that it's just de- it's really desperation for the Las Vegas Raiders. Like they have to win this game uh, for them to even have a chance of making the playoffs because we know the percentages when a team is 0 3, they just don't have a very good chance of making the playoffs or, or even getting a wild card spot for that matter. But for the Denver Broncos, you're right. Number one, I do like this defense that 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 pass rush. I, I think that is something that they can take advantage of against this offensive line of the Las Vegas Raiders. And look, it's still a work in progress for this uh, offense, right? I mean, you bring in a brand new head coach. You have a new uh, quarterback. It takes time for them to figure things out. Fortunate for the Denver Broncos, they are 2-1. and one. They've gotten it done in very ugly fashion. Um, but they still are 2-1 and one, uh, in this division where I think they lead this division right now at 2-1. and one. Um, But for me, yeah, I, I got to go with the Broncos here. I think this is an opportunity where Cortland Sutton, who's been so good for them, at least over the first three weeks, he's gone over his yardage uh, prop in all, all three of the weeks. I think this is a game where Jerry Judy can get loose against the secondary as well. And like we talked about with the Arizona Cardinals, uh, Scott, I'm not a believer in this Raiders secondary as well. I think this is an opportunity where Russell Wilson can take advantage of the secondary uh, if he just gets enough time. And I think that they'll be able to do that in this game. I've, I still felt like this total was a little bit high, but again, I think that this this could be a game where maybe the Denver offense breaks out just because they're going up against a secondary like the Raiders. The Raiders have allowed at least 24 points to the opposition through their first three weeks. Uh, They gave up 24 to the Chargers, uh, the miraculous 29 point 
that Cardinals put up in that comfort behind victory in the last week, even against the Titans. Uh, the Titans got 24 points against them as well. So I like the Denver Broncos in this game here as well. Do you have any thoughts on the total or any player props you may be looking at? It's under a pass. I really just feel like it's kind of correlated. Just because Denver, I'm picking to win this game, does not change the fact that they're still awful in the red zone and that I still don't like Hackett as a coach. Mm-hmm. I have to go with the under. I just feel like Denver's defense is being a bit disrespected here because I do think they can like make life miserable for Carr. And the thing is, you look at the weapons that Carr has. I know Renfro didn't play last week, but you have Adams, you have Renfro, you have Waller. And you look at the yardage for these guys, and they really haven't done anything since week one. So you can have all the weapons you want, but if you're not going to actually use them properly, who cares? And I feel like Denver has enough just overall ballers on the defensive side. I think Sertan's a great defensive back. Mm -hmm. I think they have a good defensive line. We saw them sack Garoppolo a handful of times. Carr, I still think, is a good quarterback. I don't think he's elite by any means. We saw him throw three interceptions against the Chargers. He had one against Tennessee last week. I don't know if it should have been an interception because it kind of hit the receiver in the hands. Are you looking at Carr interception? Because I do think that the Raiders still can't really run the ball, and I'm expecting the Broncos' defense to at least capitalize on one potential mistake downfield. I don't mind Carr interception. Yeah, Carr already has four interceptions this season. He's throwing – he had three in week one against the Chargers. Didn't have one against the Arizona Cardinals, but he did throw one last week against the Titans. And like you mentioned, the secondary is, I think, well above average uh, for this Denver Broncos, like the names that you did mention there with with led by Patrick Sertain. Uh, They also have Kareem Jackson in that uh, backfield as well. But – yeah, I, I I just need to see more from this Raiders team. And I think, like I mentioned, it might be too little too late for this team, especially on their season, um, if they don't get this victory here. But I, I think I want to stick with the better defense in this game, which is the Denver Broncos. Uh, anything else for this game here, uh, Scott? Not in terms of props. If Gordon's going to be out, I'd probably look into Javante because I think you have to. I mean, he's going to get a bunch of touches. If Gordon's not going to not going to play, maybe anytime touchdown there for Javante. But I do want to point out another another reason. I'm not going to go based on preseason bias, but I thought the Raiders would be a last place team in the AFC West. I thought they were the worst team on paper because sure. the defense is so bad. Mm-hmm. And besides Crosby, I and Chandler Jones, but I wasn't sure how much Jones had left in the tank. I just didn't think that their overall linebacking core or their Secondary, most of the secondary was worth a damn. So the fact is, since I thought the Raiders would underachieve going into the season, and I thought they'd probably go like 7-10, and I thought Denver would make the playoffs. Denver hasn't looked as good as I thought they were going to, but they're still 2-1. and I just think that Denver is going to find a way because that's what good teams do. And the Raiders are going to find a way to lose because that's what Josh McDaniels' teams do. So I feel like coaching – even though Hackett is so bad. I'm not saying that he's he's good either. I think people keep underestimating just how bad McDaniels is because the Raiders are involved in a bunch of close games and they never win. And it seems like we've tried this before with coaches, quote unquote, reinventing themselves. We saw uh, McCarthy try it a couple of years ago with Dallas. Yeah, He hasn't been as bad this year, but you get the point. He's basically the same guy. McDaniels is the exact same guy that he was with Denver about 10 years ago and nothing has changed, and he wasn't very good as a coach in Denver anyway. Yeah. 
I agree. Um, I think the two areas of concern really for the Raiders, and we're looking at an overall structure of a team when you're kind of, you know, ranking them. Offensive line, number one, is a concern for this Raiders team. And like you mentioned, secondary. So when you have those two things that are well below average for a Raiders team, you're not going to win very many games and a new head coach on top of that. And you'll get the results that you do have right now where this Raiders team is 0-3. You mentioned Javante Williams there. I think even if Melvin Gordon does go in this game, Scott, I, I still think that Williams will get a majority of the touches here. Uh, and he's dealing with a neck uh, issue is Melvin Gordon. I'm currently seeing Javante Williams uh, rushing props right now. Yardage is at 51 and a half. I think that number is a little conservative. There is a little bit of that's juice very, on that's that. That's very, very low. Yeah. And then his rush attempts. Let me see if that's posted. That's at 13 and a half. So I, I kind of like that over on that 51 and a half there, Scott. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I, I think 51 naps way too low. I said that Gordon might not play. Yeah. The only concern that I have, which I kind of saw coming when the season started, everyone just expected it to be Javante's team because right. he was so good last year and he was obviously better than Gordon. But the fact that they brought Gordon back, I kind of figured that they would just kind of keep the committee at least to start. Mm-hmm. That's been the case. The issue is Javante Williams is significantly better than Gordon and Gordon still fumbles the ball at least one time a game. I believe he had, what do you have two fumbles last week that were both recovered. So there was no negative negatives attached to it, but still you put the ball on the ground all the time. Melvin yeah. Gordon's had that issue since college. At some point, you figured they'd move on, but I just think Javante's really good, and even though Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry, I still think he's past his prime. Yeah, He torched this Raiders defense last week for a bunch of rushing yards, so I think that Javante has a very bad rush defense against him, and I think 51.5 is kind of absurdly low. I think he's got a shot to go for 70 minimum in this game, mm-hmm. and if Gordon doesn't play, maybe 100. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah, uh, just quickly, week one against the Chargers, they gave up 90, sorry, 71. Um, they had, uh, I don't Cardinals know what had, the Chargers are doing on the ground either, though. They, they don't even try. Yeah, 115 to the Cardinals in week two. And then uh, last week against the Titans, like you mentioned, 85 for Derrick Henry and 14 to Dontrell Hilliard in that game. So I think, yeah. Uh, I think they've at least given up, except for week one, because they had four different guys rushing the football for the Chargers. But uh, in the other two weeks, weeks two and three, they've had at least one running back that's gone over this mark of 51 and a half for Javante Williams. All right, before we get over to the next game of the night, let me tell you guys about No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in a pick contest versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, and earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props over unders or individual player matchups across every major league, including the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Sign up now with promo code SGPN at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app to get a first deposit match of up to $25. Ross, we're brought to you by Babbel. If you're like me and there's a foreign language that you regret not learning in school, it's never too late to start with Babbel. Look, we all had to take that that extra class uh, in high school, whether it was Spanish, whether it was French, 
to kind of just check it off our list so we can graduate and just earn the credits and we really didn't pay attention. But now Babbel can help you actually learn those languages. Babbel is a language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. And thanks to Babbel, it's really addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons. You can finally cross that learning that new language off of your list. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson so you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts and voiced by real native speakers, not computers. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. There's so many ways to learn with Babbel in addition to lessons. You can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. So right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash SGP. That's babbel.com slash SGP for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. Ross, we're brought to you by Odds Trader. What is Odds Trader? Odds Trader is a place to compare odds from all major sports books. You can also compare the different sign-up codes and promotions from sports books to get the best deal. The app also provides player statistics, key game stats, injury reports, and projected game day weather for betters to make the most informed bets possible. It also has a bet tracker so betters can keep records of all your games and betting activity. So to take advantage of this, all you have to do is go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. That's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. All right, Scott, let's get to the last game of the afternoon. It's going to be the New England Patriots headed to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers. Currently, this line is at minus nine and a half home favorites for the Green Bay Packers. Total is sitting at 40. Uh, money line is minus 480 on win bet and plus 360 on the money line for the New England Patriots. Um, we saw the news last week about... Uh, Mac Jones uh, suffering a very high ankle sprain. They said there may be an outside chance of him playing, but I am pretty sure that he is not going to be playing for this New England Patriots team. So it's going to be Brian Hoyer for the New England Patriots. Also, Jacoby Myers is also on the injury report. He remained limited at practice on Thursday with a knee issue. And also just mentioned the Mac Jones injury as well. For the Green Bay Packers, um, pretty clean injury report. I know Jahir Alexander is uh, questionable for this game. Um, he was only stretching with a team on Thursday, and he did not practice uh, on Thursday with the team. Uh, David Bakhtiari didn't practice on Thursday, but he did make his return for this Green Bay Packers offensive line last week. And also Alan Lazard is questionable with an ankle injury who was limited in practice on Thursday as well. And the big news last week was for this, at least a wide receiving group was Sammy Watkins was placed on the IR with a hamstring issue. So he will miss at least four games for this team. Scott, looking at this game, minus nine and a half for the Green Bay Packers. What do you think about this game? I think that this line is large for a huge reason. And it's not even because it's Mac Jones. It's because I don't think New England's very good. And I've been saying this for months. I don't know. 
I feel like Belichick is still getting so much credit based on the fact that teams or not even just teams, but actual just betting markets or just talking heads think that since Belichick is still the head coach, they'll find a way. And we've mm-hmm. seen it in basketball with the Spurs, for example. If you don't have much talent, you're not going to be very good anyway. Like, it really right. doesn't matter. And I don't think New England's really good at anything. Their defense is pretty good, or we thought it was. Then the Ravens torched them last week for about 40 points. But I look at the offense. They don't have many weapons I like. Mac Jones, I think, is a mediocre quarterback at best, and he might not even play. He might be using Brian Hoyer or yeah. maybe Bailey Zappi. We'll see who's going to be the quarterback. But still, I don't like this New England team. I don't think they're very talented. I thought going into the year they'd be a 7-10 and 10 team, and that's kind of where they're headed. Yeah. Green Bay, though, is a very weird team to evaluate because I still really don't like them offensively, and they haven't really shown anything this season offensively. But the Patriots' defense is pretty overrated, and I think that the Packers at home will use the energy of the crowd to probably dominate. Yeah. I see a very, very hideous game, so I'm going to lean to the under, but I am going to go with the Packers. Nine, nine and a half seems like a lot, but the Packers have also only played one home game so far this season, yeah. and they killed Chicago on Sunday night football, but they played mm-hmm. two road games at Tampa and at Minnesota, two pretty difficult places to play. I'm going to take the Packers. If New England is using a backup quarterback and the defense just got torched last week, do you like anything about this team? Because I still don't think they're very good on paper. I don't think so either. I know the, the Ravens secondary last week, or sorry for the season, they're not a very good group either. And that's why I think the uh, the Patriots were able to get 26 points off of um, the uh, Ravens defense there. But now you're going up against the Packers front seven who coming into the season and even their secondary, I know Jair Alexander is a big part of that. And, you know, he's been out with an injury, but I, this is a, a one of the better defenses that you're going to go up against um, this week, right? Then you mentioned last week, or sorry, week two, where they where Aaron Rodgers pretty much owns that Chicago Bears team. They only allowed 10 points to them. Last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they only gave up 12 points. Yes, that's another team that's dealing with injuries as well. But I think that there, as, as the weeks kind of progress here, Scott, that we're start, starting to see – Aaron Rodgers at least trusts one of the young guys, and that's been Dobbs for them. He led the team in targets last week. Alan Lazard had a touchdown last week. You also have, you know, that we talked about the backfield with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So I think offensively there's enough for this Green Bay Packers team, especially with Aaron Rodgers, to really move the ball and put up points. On the flip side for the Patriots, like you mentioned, it's there's not a lot there offensively. Talent wise, I, I just don't think that they're this team is like you mentioned is is talented on the offensive side. If Mac Jones doesn't go, you're going with Brian Hoyer. Sure, he's been with the Patriots organization pretty much his entire career. He knows the system and things like that. But who is he supposed to throw the ball to? Right? Like we talked about Jacoby Myers is injured. Um you have healthy Dev- Devontae Parker, and I'll yeah. put the healthy in quotes because you expect yeah. him to get hurt once every three, four weeks. But yeah, and Nelson Aguilar is your other guy, and then you have what Johnu Smith and Hunter Henry. Capable guys, but I, I don't think it's enough for them to keep up with the Green Bay Packers offensively, right? Defensively, Patriots, sure. Great team. Um I think this might be a good teaser leg. If you're a a seven point you mm-hmm. know teaser like player for the Green Bay Packers, bring them down to a two and a half, or and then if you want to tease up the Arizona Cardinals or, or something like that. But 
Yeah, I know it's a big number here, and it is for a reason. I think there's a huge mismatch. We just talked about talent-wise. Uh, reluctantly, I, I'm going to – man, I hate that we're agreeing so much <laughs> through the three games here. I can I see completely why this number is at 9.5. Um, I like Green Bay to Lambo against the bad team. I, I yeah. can't say that I think it's a lock or anything, but I, I yeah. do think that – we saw how the game unfolded against Chicago, and I think the Patriots are better than Chicago, but still. Sure. The point is they won 27 to 10. I see a pretty similar story in this yeah. game. I don't yeah. think New England's going to get past 15 and a half, which was their team total. Yeah. Give me some type of like 24 10 type of final, 20 yeah. to 10 final. I just think they'll do enough to win at home, but I really don't see New England moving the ball that much. Yeah, I was going to say like 24, 13, something like that in that neighborhood where the Packers cover the number and gets under the total as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll lay the chalk, man. I, I think that there's enough for this Packers team on both sides of the football for them to, you know, get a victory here on their home field where here their next three games are at home. So I think that, you know, they have the Patriots, the Giants, and the Jets, and all three of these games are very winnable for sure for this Green Bay Packers team, especially the Sorry, at home. I'm sorry, I'm mistaken. They do go to London, I believe, for the Giants game uh, next week. Seeing it's an 8.30 start for them. So, um, yeah, let's like, go Packers. Does that count as a primetime game for Daniel Jones or no? Does that not count? Um, the time funny. difference makes it interesting, you know? Yeah, it, it's funny that they've they've shipped off the two guys that are absolutely terrible in primetime to London <laughs> to get an early start. Maybe that kind of snaps them out of the funk. Um. Yeah, so I got Packers. Do you any any? I think we do like the under in this game as well. Any thoughts on some player props in this game? If you do like any, if not, we can get to the Sunday night game. I gotta wait to see who's quarterback, but whoever is the quarterback, I'll take him to throw a pick. I don't know what the minus is going to be, but Green Bay's defense is very solid, and I do think that if you want to look for maybe a team prop or if you want to go for some individuals, I think Green Bay racks up a lot of sacks. So if you okay. want to go for potentially yeah. the sacks in this game. Or if you want to just go for specific players, if you want to go for just really any of Green Bay's elite pass rushers to create havoc, I think they will. I don't think New England's offensive line is that good. Uh, you have Hoyer or Zappi. Zappi's extremely inexperienced, and Hoyer mm -hmm. is extremely experienced on the bench, not so much playing. But I can really see the Packers getting a lot of sacks. Yeah, I, I agree. I can see that as well. All right, let's get over to the Sunday night football game, and it's going to be between the Kansas City Chiefs headed to Tampa to take on the Buccaneers. This line right now over on win bet is at pick, uh, and total is set at 45 and a half. We know about the hurricane that's you know going through Florida right now, but they did come out and say that they will be playing Sunday night in Tampa uh, for this matchup. Um Let's look at the injury report first, and then we'll get into the uh, actual game here, Scott. Uh, let me pull up the Kansas City Chiefs injury report uh, for the road team here. So for the Chiefs, I'm currently seeing Miko Hardman. He did return to practice in a limited basis uh, for that wide receiving group. Ronald Jones did not practice on Thursday. MVS Marquez Valdez-Scantley uh, worked on uh, worked off to the side at Thursday's practice, and he is uh, set to go as a non-participant. Has he done anything Chiefs. this season anyway? I don't think so. I mean, he's had some, so a few catches, but not a lot for them. 
Uh, Harrison Butker is dealing with uh, a sore ankle. It's really said, and I quote, it's going to come down right at the end as to see who is going to be up and who is going to be down. And that's according to the special teams coordinator. Uh, looking at the Tampa Bay uh, injury report, I think that's a little more significant for us to talk about here. Rashawn Perriman didn't practice Thursday. Russell Gage was limited in practice on Thursday. Julio Jones practiced on a limited basis on Thursday. Uh, Chris Godwin received a veteran rest day on Thursday. Akeem Hicks did not participate for this Bucks defense on Thursday. Sorry, on Wednesday. I think those receivers will probably be a go in this game, uh, Scott. At least probably three out of the four. I think if Julio is practicing, he should be a go. I think Chris Godwin will probably be a go as well. And then one of the two of Russell Gage and Brashad Perriman should be able to go. Leonard Fournette is not on the injury report, so he should be a go in this game as well. But a very, very intriguing and fun matchup on Sunday Night Football between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. Currently listed at a pick here. Scott, what do you think about this game? I like Tampa in the under. Uh, I think that Kansas City is extremely overrated. And... It hurts me a bit because I do have Mahomes on a fantasy team. I'm not just overreacting to what happened last week, which definitely was a classic Andy Reid game, like a phenomenal Andy Reid game that he blew, which he used to do all the time back in Philly or even with Alex Smith. And I feel like you can agree with me on that, that the coaching was not great in that Chiefs game, and they probably should have won. But I don't think the offense is very good. And we saw week one. I love the Chiefs in week one because Andy Reid off a bye or with extra preps, incredible. But you're looking at these other games. They beat the Chargers. They also had a 99-yard pick six. So the offense wasn't great in that game by any means. And the offense wasn't very good, especially in the red zone against the Colts. I don't think Kansas City's offense is really that good. And I know Mahomes is incredible. I know that Travis Kelsey had a bad game last week, but he's still very good. I still don't really like any of these receivers. And Juju had a decent game, statistically speaking. He Mm -hmm. also had one catch for about 50, 60 yards. So he basically did nothing besides one breakaway catch. Do you like this offense? Because they can't run the ball, and I think the weapons aren't that great. I think it starts right there, what you just said, with that running game, right? I mean, yeah, CEH has been pretty good in the passing game. Zero yards last week, Rush. Yeah, first three weeks. But running the ball-wise, it hasn't been very good for this Kansas City Chiefs team. And I think at some point... You have to be able to run the football to be effective on offense. And I think we saw a disagreement last week, right before halftime, between Patrick uh, Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy, where I think Patrick Mahomes felt like they should have been a little more aggressive before, you know, the half. And at hindsight now, yeah, he's probably right because they'd end up losing that game uh, to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, yeah, I think that obviously when you lose a dynamic player like Tyreek Hill, it it changes your complete offense, right? Because we've seen it already with Miami where you have a guy like Tyreek Hill. It opens up the offense for takes other the players. Off. Yeah, he takes the top off. And, and we saw it last night in numerous times when he's able to go down the field. It opens up underneath stuff for other receivers like Jalen Waddle. It has for the Miami Dolphins. So we saw that so many times in, in, in the years that Tyreek Hill was there with the Kansas City Chiefs. And now offensively, they're, they look like they're very limited. And it's Travis Kelsey, and then you're hoping that somebody else steps up in a given week, whether it's Juju, whether it's MBS, or whether it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, whether it's in the running game or the or the passing game. So I, I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is going to be able to have success in this game, whether that's creating pressure on Patrick Mahomes. 
Um, and I think the secondary is absolutely phenomenal as well. And I know you mentioned this when we were talking about doing our power rankings. Um, I, had them, I had them very, very high. Sure. And, 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 I, and I, 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 do, I agree with you, right? Like their defense is what's really been carrying them so far this season. And they, they've dealt with a lot of injuries like the Arizona Cardinals at that wide receiving group. But you should have at least two, if not three other four guys back uh, on the field. And I think if you have Chris Godwin and Julio Jones, that you'll that Tom Brady will find those guys and they'll have some success offensively here. So, no, when I saw this at this, I think it was at, at plus one, I want to say, with the Buccaneers, I, I teased them up uh, in a couple of teasers, but I still like them as a pick and on the money line here to get the job done against this Kansas City Chiefs team. I think that prime time uh, Sunday night in Tampa, I think there was a, a stat, and I should have, sorry, wrote this down, that I think off of a loss or win Tampa are technically underdogs. I know right now it's that pick that Tom Brady thrives in those situations. So um, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game as well. I think that this is a good smash spot for the Buccaneers. I think that the public is going to see that, hey, oh, Patrick Mahomes as a pick going up against his Buccaneers team. Yeah, yeah, give me Patrick Mahomes all day, but I'm going to side with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game as well. I really love this play in this game. Uh, you said you like the under in this game as well. I can't argue against that just because of how limited both offenses are. Uh, we've seen that through the first three weeks. Tampa through the first three weeks has put up, let's see, nine, they haven't scored more than 21 points. So they haven't gotten three touchdowns in any of their three games so far. They had 19 against the Dallas Cowboys, 20 against the Saints, and then they had 12 last week against the Green Bay Packers. But it's also misleading, by the way, because they had a pick six against Winston in the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else for this game that you do like, player props, or anything else you want to expand on here in this game, uh, Scott? Well, I do want to add a little bit. I had Tampa in my top five. I might have even had them at three in my power rankings. And the logic for me was pretty simple. It was the fact that even though I am a bit down on Green Bay's offense as well, they lost on a two-point conversion attempt yep. while missing their top three receivers mm -hmm. against one of the favorites in the NFC and Lazard and Cobb and all these guys who are banged up for Green Bay ended up playing anyway. Yeah. So Green Bay had some weapons or I, I know they're not the greatest of weapons, but they had some people at receiver. Sure. Tampa had nothing. Yeah. And yet the defense is so good. And it turns out I might have miscalculated how bad Dallas was supposed to be. But that 19-3 to win against Dak in Jerry World actually looks pretty good now. Right. I just think that with Evans being back from suspension, with Godwin potentially being back, I know the offensive line's still not great. That's not going to change. They lost too many guys in the offseason based on injury. But... I put Tampa so high because I think this is the best defense in all of football. I think this defense is absolutely just incredible. And I think that if you can get any above average pass catchers and you're getting two of them back minimum for this week, I think Tampa is extremely dangerous. And if you're asking me right now, maybe it's because Brady's so successful in the playoffs, but I don't really like any teams in the NFC. Right now, just based on who I think is going to actually make it to the Super Bowl, I know it's still early. Yeah. If I was picking one team to represent the NFC, I'd probably pick Tampa. Just based off how good their defense is. Yeah, and I think that the offense, when they have a lot of weapons, the offense has not been good this season, I'll admit that, but yeah. when you are missing Godwin for multiple games, Evans missed about a game and a half because he got ejected from the Saints game and he didn't play last week. I just think people are going to blindly look at the numbers and not apply enough context to it. I think Tampa will be good enough offensively 
to win some low scoring games because their defense is that good. And if you expect Mahomes to suddenly torch this defense, I think you got another thing coming because I think that this Tampa defense is ready to go. Tampa's still sitting at 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Am I wrong for thinking there was value there? Because I know the offensive line's banged up the hell and back, but you look at the weapons, you look at the defense, you have Brady and his playoff experience. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty solid price, isn't it? I think so. Um, eventually, like you know, these guys are going to be healthy, right? I mean, I know they're kind of older guys, at least with Julio Jones. I know Chris Godwin's coming off of you know the injury that he suffered last week and the hamstring in- injury that he did suffer. You still have, we haven't mentioned Mike Evans' name in this wide receiving group, right? Uh, he's coming back from the suspension in this game as well for the um, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's just say that Mike Evans is out there. Julio is out there. Russell Gage last week was pretty much the offense for this team, and he had to be, right? He had 13 yeah. targets To be honest, week. you keep mentioning Julio. I'm not sure if that matters at all. I know he cashed us a nice player prop in week one, but I'm not yeah. sure if he's really worth a damn long term. The thing is, Tampa doesn't have to get healthier. They just need some of the higher-up teams in the NFC to catch up to them in terms of injuries, and it is, once again, only week four. So it is possible that other teams have their own injuries down the stretch. I'm not sure if I think they're going to win the Super Bowl because I really think the AFC is so much better than the NFC, Mm -hmm. but to win the actual NFC title game, I think there's decent value there on Tampa because I just really don't like any other team in the NFC. Do you? No, I, I think there's a lot of hype right now on the Eagles, but if you kind of just take a look at the teams that they've beaten or the quarterbacks that they've beaten, it's been, what, Jared Goff that they, I guess we could say barely beat maybe. Um, they had Carson Wentz last week, and then they had Kirk Cousins in prime time. I think we'll find a lot more about this Eagles team, uh, I think, after this week. But uh, it's it's Eagles, it's Green Bay, and then it's Tampa. I think Tampa's better than Green Bay. I know Green Bay won last week, but when you're missing your top three receivers and Green Bay still needs needs to stop you on a two-point conversion to win, Mm -hmm. I think at full strength, you're a better team than Green Bay, in my opinion. And then there's just a significant fall-off after that. You have the Rams. Okay, we can include them defending Super Bowl champs. Uh, But then it's the Niners. Uh, it, and then it's the Vikings at twelve to one. So I'm, I'm not picking Garoppolo again to make no, the NFC title yeah. game. I'm, I'm yeah. not doing that. Yeah. All so right. Plus, uh, plus four fifty on Tampa. I yeah. mean, I don't mind that. I I know that the Eagles got better, and they have a very easy schedule. But we saw Tampa beat the crap out of that team in the playoffs, and I know that they're slightly different rosters. Mm-hmm. I mean, plus four fifty. I think that's a good deal for a pretty weak conference. Brady's Brady, and the defense is great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna bet against Brady when it comes to the playoffs. Or In this like week that. of a conference, I'm not doing it. Yeah, me neither. All right, uh, all right. Before we get into our lock and dog for this uh, afternoon games for NFL Week Four, let me tell you guys about the Elias Game Plan app. Did you know that the best day of the week is actually Monday and Thursday and Sunday and even Saturday for some folks because it's football season. And because it's number one NFL season, it's really our favorite time of the year. There's, there, let's not put that. Um, let's not sugarcoat that. And whether you're in fantasy leagues, betting on your team, or just talking highlights around the water cooler at work, the NFL season just got a lot better thanks to Elias Game Plan app, the ultimate sports betting and fantasy companion for the NFL, NBA, and MLB. The Elias Game Plan app is the only sports app from the most trusted name in sports stats, the Elias Sports Bureau, official statisticians, 
other U.S. pro sports leagues. Life's game plan is full of information and insights provided by their renowned research team, which means they constantly give you information that is up to date and that you can trust. The app really gives you everything you need this season to get a competitive edge, league-validated team and player news and stats, head-to-head team comparisons ahead of their matchups, along with Eli's key insights from the Eli's statisticians, including injury impact analysis and expert game analysis, which can give you the advantage in picking, in betting and picking your fantasy lineups or just showing off your sports knowledge. And Eli's game plan is releasing new features all the time, like their chat function, which allows you to talk directly with their researchers so you can get information you need to feel comfortable when making big decisions on betting on your betting or on your fantasy team. So let's elevate your NFL season today. First, by downloading the Elias Game Plan app, that's E-L-I-A-S. And right now, we have a special offer when you subscribe. Get 15% off your annual subscription, but only if you use promo code SGPN15. Find Elias Game Plan Sports Betting app in the App Store or Play Store today and use promo code SGPN15. We're also brought to you by FuboTV. If you watch football, you need Fubo TV. Fubo TV gives you complete coverage of college and pro football with NFL Red Zone, plus games in 4K at no extra charge. Over 100 channels of live sports and entertainment for a fraction of the price of cable. Watch on all your devices and never miss a game and an episode of your favorite TV shows with included cloud-based DVR. Plus, there's no contract, there's no commitment, and you can cancel at any time. Right now, you can try Fubo TV free for seven days and get 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com slash SGP. That's F-U-B-O-T-V.com slash SGP. All right, Scott, let's close this episode out strong with our lock and dog for this um, NFL Week 4 afternoon games. Only four to pick from here, but uh, we'll, we'll try to make it the best as possible. Anything you want to throw out, player props, side total, uh, what do you got for your lock? So for the lock, it is kind of tempting to go to a prop. I thought about maybe doing Javante, but I decided not to do it because I kind of wanted to wait to see if Melvin Gordon was going to play. Instead, I'm going to go with an interesting team total, which I think has some value to it. It might shock some people, but I'm going to take the Chiefs, and I'm going to go with the team total under in this one. I see 23 and a half. I'm curious if I could find a 24. I'm assuming there's a 24, 24 and a half somewhere. Let me just see quickly if I could find it. But I'll give my case anyway. You look at the Chiefs. Week one, they scored 44. It was a great week one performance. We get it. Week two, they played the Chargers on Thursday. They scored 20 offensive points. Then had a pick six to put them at 27. They scored 20 offensively against the Chargers. And then the last week, they scored 17 against the Colts. The red zone offense was not good. But now you're traveling to Tampa. Tampa's defense is allowing nine points per game. They have a good pass rush. They have a very good run defense. They have a very good secondary. I've said it before, and I said it, and I'm going to say it again. I think Kansas City's offense is overrated, and I think that if you're going to assume they're going to walk in to play against, in my opinion, the best defense in the league, and pick this team apart with the likes of Valdez, Scantling, and Juju, I just disagree. I think that the Buccaneers will have a good game plan to deal with Kittle, or at least as good of a game plan as any team could have. They have good athletic linebackers who could potentially make life difficult for him. But I think the Chiefs offensively are still overvalued. And the fact that it's in Tampa, I think, should help because I do think the crowd is going to be amped for the primetime game. Yeah. But the Chiefs offensively, once again, I get they have Mahomes. I know Kelsey's an all-time great tight end. But I'm looking at the ground game. I'm looking at the supporting cast. 
I'm really not impressed. And I think that Tampa's defense is actually that good. But I'm going to go with the team total under for Kansas City. We've seen a lot of really ugly games in primetime. I think this will be another one. I think Tampa Bay is probably going to win the game in my eyes. But looking for a team total there, I do think Kansas City probably finishes around 20. And I think this game's going to be ugly. So just quickly looking to see if I could actually find a uh, a team total uh, that's not uh, – I think that's basically what I'm going to get. So, yeah, screw it. I'm going to go with the uh, team total yeah. under for Kansas City. I think you may want to be able to get one closer to game time possibly because, you know, especially in these standalone primetime games. I want public, 24. That's what I'm yeah, looking for. Public loves betting overs, right? So I think that if that – that number increases that that those team totals should adjust and you probably will be able to get a 24 maybe closer to the game time uh all right what do you got for your uh dog for this uh, uh afternoon slate so for my dog i know we didn't exactly like many options i'll go with one we actually did like i'm gonna go with the broncos on the money yeah. line at plus 120 i get the fact that Hackett's not good i get the fact that the offense is brutal in the red zone however i really don't like mcdaniels as a coach and the Raiders were 0-3 because of a lot of self-inflicted wounds. I just think the Raiders are going to beat themselves. Denver's defense is still very good. I think they'll force a couple of mistakes. And I do think at the end of the day, you're going to find yourself in a spot where it's a close game, it's a close game late because all of Las Vegas' games are close and there's one common trend. They don't win those close games. I think the Broncos will probably win. It'll be very close. But I do think getting plus money – Fading a Josh McDaniels team with an elite defense is good enough for me. I'm going to go with the Broncos on the money line there at plus 120. I have been looking for the Chiefs team total. I didn't see a 24 yet, so shop around for that. But for the sake of this show, I guess I'm taking Chiefs, by the way, team total under 23 and a half. All right. Uh, yeah, my dog was the same as well. I mean, I just, there's no other really underdogs that I do like. Maybe an alt uh, spread on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, but I'm not going to add much more to that, uh, which does kind of just lead me to my lock. It is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at pick right now. I'm starting to see this line move towards minus one at some books, so hopefully you guys get to this sooner rather than later. Um, you know, we talked extensively about how good this defense is for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how limited the offense is now for the Kansas City Chiefs, especially without, you know, Tyree Kill. And it's really limited what, like I mentioned, what the Chiefs can do offensively. Sure, they had a great week one, but that was against the Arizona Cardinals secondary, which is probably one of the worst, if not the worst in the entire football league. Uh, but now you're going to go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team who we talked about. And Scott, you mentioned that ex extensively is that they were without their top three receivers. You get Mike Evans back from the suspension. You should have uh, Chris Godwin back as well. Um, I don't know why I'm so high on Julio, but I think that he's still a guy that can get you some type of yardage and gives another target to uh, Tom Brady. And again, the defense as well. So um, I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at pick uh, over on win bet right now as my lock of uh, NFL week four. I once again, just expect a pretty entertaining and competitive game, Yeah, but I really think Tampa's the better football team sure. and they're at home. Yeah. So I got to go with the Buccaneers. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is going to do it for this edition of the NFL gambling podcast. Uh, only four games that we covered, but I think we went in depth on each, every single one of those. So uh, I think it, the part turned out really, really good. Scott, anything else you want to get off your chest, my man, before we get out of here? Not really. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Reichel Radio, R-E-I-C-H-E-L Radio. 
Besides that, still doing a bunch of other podcasts. Of course, we're doing the NFL, doing the fantasy football podcast once a week with Terrell, which is nice. Besides that, doing tennis a couple times a week. Should have an episode probably either tonight or tomorrow for that. Besides that, though, Terrell and I did officially wrap up the WNBA season. I know it ended a couple weeks ago, but we were busy people, so we finally did the (laughs) wrap-up show. But we're going to have that back in a couple months. We have the NBA on the yep. horizon we officially had a preseason game last night which was kind of cool or technically this morning because there's at like six in the morning but still we've been doing division pr- uh, breakdowns i'm sure we'll get into the futures and all the awards and stuff like that before the season yep. but we're about a month out from the nba which is exciting and yep. looking forward to breaking that down with you yep 100 nba is right around the corner uh, we'll have division previews. Uh, I know Terrell and Scott did one earlier this week. McKee and ZB are going to do are doing a couple more, and then we'll have uh, some more scheduled next week. So if you're an NBA fan, make sure to check out the NBA Gambling Podcast. We will be back uh, covering all the division previews. And, of course, NFL is officially four weeks in. Hopefully we have a profitable Sunday. Um, until then, good luck with your picks. Let's break these books off and let it rides.